Well, good morning, everybody, man. Good to see you guys. And again, if you're a guest, we're glad you're here. We hope that today encourages you. If you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. Um, uh, this is the diehard crowd here, right? Braving the sub-zero temperatures to go to church. There's probably some people watching online next to their fireplace and their couch and enjoying it from... Um, the Lord will forgive you, but we're glad you're tuning in. Hey, before we dive into our teaching time today, I just want to touch base on a couple things. Uh, one, we are wrapping up a series today, uh, the Get Fit series, but our next teaching series is something called Never the Same, and you have a little promotional card in your program, and there's a bunch out there that we always encourage you to grab a handful of these and then just leave them, traces of them everywhere in our community so people see them and are curious about uh, coming. But really what we're going to do after this series is we're going to spend several weeks looking at lives of people in Scripture that encountered Jesus and then were never the same. Of course, that was everybody, but we're going to obviously select a handful of people, uh, people like Zacchaeus and Nicodemus and the woman at the well and others that, man, when they encountered Jesus, their lives were radically transformed. And I believe I'm sitting here in a room full of people and some people online that your lives have been radically, uh, you know, changed because of your relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to look at some examples of that, be encouraged by that, be reminded about that in our next series, uh, Never the Same. Also, just a reminder that right now, uh, even though it's still early in the year, we've taken on this initiative called New Life 1024, and uh, we've trusted that all of you have uh, taken a prayer card and filled out 10 names to be praying for. We're, we're trusting 1,000 of us are doing that, so that we have 10,000 people that we're going to be praying for this year. Uh, you've also committed to uh, having two conversations a month to tell people about the love of the Lord, a new life conversation. And I hope that you're all doing that. A couple things. We've had people say, I've, I've already filled out my prayer card. Um, I have more people that are coming to mind. Can I submit more names? And we say, no, 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 no. We can't pray for them. Sorry. <laughs> yes. You can fill out 20 prayer cards as long as you commit to pray for them. And, uh, and if you haven't had a chance to stop by the prayer room, by the way, if you're here, um, stop by on your way out and just take a look at the wall and Pray for some of those names and just know that uh, that's taking place. Also, I hope that all of you are just stepping out in boldness and trust and faith and telling people about Jesus and what he's done in your life. Uh, one story that came through this week by a gal in our church named Val, she said, I invited a new client to lunch. Uh, she'd been dealing with depression, divorce, failed relationships, loss of loved ones, and a loss of her job. And at lunch, I asked questions and listened. And then when the time was right, I shared my story using the three circles I shared how I was before Christ and how I am after accepting him into my life. She could totally relate to my sin because she had struggled with the same sin. God is so clever that way. Uh, I invited her to CBC and to my life group. She's spiritually seeking. She thanked me for taking time to sit with her. And she said she would take me up on the invite soon. So she's a yellow light, you know. And so here's Val. She stepped out in boldness and took an opportunity to share with someone. That's the story still being written. And I hope all of you are, are doing the same thing, that you're stepping out in boldness and sharing Christ with folks and praying for them as we move on. And as you do that, uh, you're going to be looking for opportunities to invite folks to church. I know that's near and dear to our heart. We want people to experience uh, the worship of a faithful community of Jesus followers. And so uh, you're thinking, man, when should I bring them? When should I bring them? Well, any, any time's good, but tonight's an exceptional time. Tonight we're, we're, we're having something called invite night, and we're taking advantage of the kids being out of school tomorrow and uh, I tell you what, man, after the service, our, our invitation to you is come back tonight to the 630 service, invite some of these people that you've been talking to and praying for to come and experience the service with you. And then afterwards, we'll just have some fun, family-friendly opportunities to, to engage one another. We'll have like laser tag and bounce house and some food and just, just hang out together. And what a great opportunity for, to just engage folks that we've been inviting and praying for. So come on back out tonight for invite night. That'll be a great opportunity. 
Well, we are in the last uh, message in a series called Get Fit. Just a reminder that we started this year with a series with the intent to say, let's look at some key areas of our life and let's talk about getting healthy. Let's talk about getting fit in these areas. And so we've talked about spiritual fitness. We've talked about emotional fitness. We've talked about mental fitness. We've talked about physical fitness, financial fitness. And last week, we talked about relational fitness. Today, we're going to be talking about something called rhythmic fitness. And some of you are going, I have no idea what that means. And it was fun when I first talked about this months and months and months ago to some of our staff and people going, hey, I want to do this rhythmic fitness. And they're like, what is that? Um, and life has a rhythm. Life has a rhythm. And if our rhythm is off, it can cause issues in our life. In fact, I want to tell you the big idea right up front right now so that it can be a, a plumb line for us, if you will, through the rest of our time. And here's the bottom line. If you don't take a break, you're going to break. <laughs> if you don't take a break, you're going to break. There needs to be a break in your life. There needs to be a rest. There needs to be a Sabbath in our life. And we're going to look at God's word in a minute about that. But I can't uh, help but think of my friend Steve in California uh, when I think about this topic of rest and Sabbath. Uh, I met Steve years ago. Um, Steve was born in Holland. And at the age of eight, he started his first job. Man, he was pumping gas and cleaning an attic and working around the shop uh, there in Holland. He and his family moved to the United States when he was 17. And right from the get-go, he got thrust into just a hardworking lifestyle. And he was, he was just a hardworking guy. Well, at, uh, at 18 years old, uh, his girlfriend came to him and said, I need to tell you something, uh, we're pregnant. <laughs> and so that just forced some issues for them. So you know what? They went ahead and got married, and he started working three jobs just trying to make ends meet. And uh, those three jobs kept him out of the house. And so he started feeling distant from his family, distance from God. And uh, at the same time, he was getting promotions, he was getting raises, he was getting new opportunities. And so he just thrust himself into work and just lived to work. Eventually, uh, that pace caused a break in his marriage, and it, it just crept in. And so um, there was unfaithfulness in his marriage. And, and next thing you know, Steve is divorced. He feels betrayed. And what does he do? He throws himself back into work even further. And so now it's just consecutive 14, 15-hour days on and on and on for years of his life. And one day, a friend at church just saw that in his life, saw the pain in his life, and saw this rhythm in his life, and just reached out to him. And, you know, in spending some time with this good friend, spending time in prayer, spending time in God's word, Steve encountered a healing through Christ uh, to forgive his ex-wife and to forgive himself for things he was feeling guilty for, and, and, and he let go of that. Years later, he found himself living in the same community that we were at, and he started attending the church I was at. And he met this gal in our church named Chris. And Chris was serving in our student ministry, and she was very passionate about Jesus, very passionate about ministry. And I saw Steve and Chris getting closer and closer. So eventually, he's like, I'd like to help out in the youth ministry too, you know? And so uh, next thing you know, he's working in the student ministry with us. He's, he's uh, I'm, I'll stack chairs, I'll, I'll set up, I'll take down, I'll hang out with kids, but that's about it. I'm not going to do any more than that. And as Steve acknowledges, uh, God has the tendency to do different things in your life and is in the business of changing hearts. And so after a while, as he and Chris were getting closer, and I had the joy of, of, of seeing them get married and officiating their, wed their wedding ceremony, that was a beautiful thing, um, we, we were coming up on summer camp. And I was, and we just had kids coming out you know, everywhere, man. Kids were just going to camp. I needed more counselors. And so I looked at Steve and said, Steve, I need more counselors, man. Would you, would you be willing to come as a counselor to camp? You know, and it was, I'll never forget that conversation because he was like, wait, that means I have to take time off work. Steve hadn't taken time off work in 13 years. Not taking any time off work in 13 years. 
And he just saw him connecting the dots. The look on his face was priceless, you know, as he started going, wait, I'm going to take time off work. And so he was very reluctant, but he said, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. He came back later and said, yeah, I'll do it. And he shared with me later, and he wrote this. He says, uh, at the thought, he goes, I was sick to my stomach. I needed to bring tools, something. How can I not do something, you know? And, and, and so we went up this mountain. He's like, wait, there's not going to be cell phone service? Nope, people from work aren't going to be able to call you, you know? Um, he just went up trying to be faithful to what God had put in his life. And I'll tell you what, man, those first couple days, I think that camp was blessed by this man because he was fixing everything he could touch, he had, he had brought tools up to the camp, and I think our dormitory doors and windows and the bunk beds, and I think he went down to the auto shop. was like, hey, you guys need help, you know? He just didn't know how to break out of that rhythm. But as the week continued on, Steve found something. He found rest. He found rest. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he found himself enjoying the activities with the kids. He started spending more time with people. He started spending more time with his wife. He started spending more time with the Lord. And that was a defining moment in Steve's life to go to that camp because it broke the rhythm that he had for years of his life. And he was able to, to engage in a different way. And Steve's never been the same since. Uh, from that point on, he grew in his appreciation and practice of rest and Sabbath. He's just a different guy. That, that guy right there floating around with a big smile on his face with a dog and a kayak, that wasn't the guy. That's a product of learning how to rest in the Lord and trust God. And so now he still loves working hard. He's a phenomenal worker, but he strives to start every day um, with, with prayer with his wife before they go to their work. He has a renewed purpose uh, at his job. He feels the impact of his job, and is, is part of it is to help others that he encounters. Uh, he regularly takes breaks and rest and vacations, uh, whether it's in the mountains, the beach, and just enjoying rest and Sabbath. You know, I asked Steve, I said, Steve, if I were to share a little bit from your heart to the folks on uh, Sunday, what would you say? He said this. He said, I'm happy when I am in Christ, but it's only by his grace and forgiveness that I have the freedom to live this life. Can you say the same? I encourage you to review your life. Are you enjoying God and his creation? Are you hearing God or is your life too busy and too loud to recognize God's voice? Sometimes you just need to turn everything off. If you haven't stopped, and taking the time to connect with our God and creator or give thanks for what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection and how his love and sacrifice frees us to enjoy him and enjoy this life he's given us and prepare to spend eternity with him, then I highly encourage you to do so. You will never be the same. Talk about someone who's never been the same since. And so I rejoice with Steve. Some of you here can really, really relate to my friend Steve. Man, man you're just busy. You've got a rhythm in your life that doesn't have much margin in it. And you think about some of the phrases that we have, you know, because we live in such a busy culture, uh, the hamster wheel, the treadmill, too much on my plate, buried in work, up to your neck, snowed under, drowning, at your wits end, the rough, back against the wall, stressed to the max, behind the eight ball, the grind. <laughs> there is great value in working hard, but there's also uh, a, a subtle message that we may start to tell ourselves if we're not careful. And that subtle message sounds something like this, it's all up to me. It's all up to me. And we start to buy into the spirit of self-reliance and that we're the masters of our own universe and we're the, we're the providers of all that we have, which can lead us to believe that our worth and our identity are wrapped up in what we do, not in who we are. See, God's our provider. 
And he's designed us, and we talked about this last week, you know, what's God's design? Part of God's design is to understand that, that he's made us and he's loved us, he's created us to be in relationship with him. And sometimes we get so busy and life becomes such a blur that we miss out that we're just supposed to be. Our, our identity isn't wrapped up in what we do. Our identity is wrapped up in who we are. And sometimes we introduce busyness at such a pace in our life that we forget who we are. And so we start to believe that what we do is who we are instead of who made us and who loves us and who died for us and who rose for us determines who we are. And a big part of that is rest. I really believe that a lot of us in this room have lost the art of rest. We've lost the art of Sabbath. We don't include it in the rhythm of our lives. And whenever we get a chance to practice it, whenever a little box is freed up on our calendar, what do we do? We fill it. We fill it with activity. We fill it with work. You know, we just, we, just, we just plug something in there, and we don't know how to take a break. We don't know how to take a rest. We don't know how to have margin in our life. And so we stay busy, and, and we celebrate that. And what happens is, in that busy state, we start to spin it. We start to say, well, I'm just motivated. I'm just committed. I'm just driven. And, and, and there's definitely value, and there's good stuff. God did design us to be industrial and to, to work. But here's the thing. If we're not careful, our activity... And our productivity can become idolatry. We start to put it above God. So, so what about this rest? What about the Sabbath? Where did this idea come from? Why do we need it? Where, where did it originate? Well, God gave it to us. And I want to invite you to a passage in your Bible right now to see and understand more about this. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, or fire up your Bible app to Exodus 20. If you're here today and you find yourself without a Bible, you don't have one, you don't own one, we'd love to give you one as a gift on your way out. Stop by and get one. It's for free. It's a gift. Uh, for the rest of us, open up your Bibles. It's also on the screens today. Let's look together at God's command to Sabbath. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. And on it, you will not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who's within your gates. For in the six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I just want to unpack this a little bit so make sure we have a full understanding of what we just read. Uh, you look at verse 8, it says, remember the Sabbath. Remember means to practice it. There's other places where this command is, is referenced. It says to observe the Sabbath, to practice it. And it says to keep it holy. Sometimes we limit the understanding of the word holy to just clean, which definitely that's part of it. But the deeper understanding of the word holy means that it's set apart. It's distinct. It's unique. It's sacred. It's, it's, it's different than the rest. And so to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy means that you and I are intentional that we take one day out of our seven and it's different than the rest. It's unique, it's distinct, it's holy, it's set apart, it's a sacred day. That's really the, the practice of Sabbath. That's the practice of remembering Sabbath. In verse 9, we see that God instructed us to labor for six days and then to rest. You know, we see that. It says that six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Now, when we look at that, 
there's probably a couple different ways to approach this. Some of us in this room, maybe we've drifted into laziness. Maybe we've coasted for a while. And, and when we look at that verse, what God wants you to hear is six days you shall labor. <laughs> like, like you need to be proactive. You need to be doing something. You know, sometimes I, I talk to friends of mine who are retired, and I love what a lot of them say. They're going, look, I might have retired from my career, but I'm not retired from life. And sometimes those are the folks who are doing the most. They're, they're, they're serving here and they're volunteering there and they're very active and going, I'm not going to be idle. I'm not just going to put it in neutral. And so whether, whether it's that type of activity or it's just the grind of work, we, we are supposed to labor for six days. And so maybe some of you in this room, God's going to take you to task on that. Uh, the other part, a lot of us here are going, I wish I could only work six days. I'm working seven. I'm working three jobs. I'm trying to make ends meet. And God's going, there's this rhythm here. There's this principle that I've established, this commandment that I've given that you shall rest. Verse 10 says that the seventh day is a Sabbath. By the way, the word Sabbath literally means to cease. It means to stop. It means to rest. That's what it means, Sabbath. And we see this principle here uh, that is to God. It's not just a day off. We're not talking about just, oh, that's my day off. We're saying, no, no, no. God made everything. The, the, the way to honor the Sabbath is to honor the one who's established it. And so when we think about our days off or our Sabbaths, how are we enjoying God in those days? How are we celebrating the Lord and the one who created everything? And it says it's a Sabbath unto the Lord. And so how do we glorify God in this day, the special day that we're supposed to have in our life as we do rest? And if you notice in verse 11, God established this rhythm, this pattern at creation. Six days of creation. God worked for six days. He created everything in those six days. And then it says he rested or he Sabbath. It means he stopped. He ceased. Some people go like, what, was he tired? Was he worn out? You know, like, man, I made everything. Ooh, I need a break. You know, that's, that's not the principle. God's going, I did it all in six days. And if we look at Genesis 131, what's the last thing that God said? Man, he said, he looked at everything and says it was very good. He says, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy what I made. I'm going to take it in. And in fact, I'm going to set apart a special day, a sacred day, a unique day to just enjoy and to remember. And so when you and I seek out Sabbath in our rhythm, when we seek out rest in our rhythm, it's not just merely that day off. It's a way to remember God, remember what he made, and to enjoy what he made. It's not a day of forced spiritual labor. You know, we'll talk about that in a minute where we, we can become legalistic. And, and a heavy hammer about this day. I mean, that's, that's been done for generations and generations. We're, we're trying to address it the other. There, we live in a culture that has forgotten how to rest, has forgotten the beauty and the benefits of Sabbath. And so we understand this verse as we look, we look through that. Now, obviously, we're looking here at, a, at an Old Testament commandment. It was given to the Jewish people, and it was, it was one of the commandments. It's, it's phenomenal. When you look at it as a commandment, you start to think about the way we value all the other commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, all that kind of stuff. Like if you're sitting down with coffee for a friend, with a friend, and they're telling you that they've been stealing stuff and they've been killing people, you're probably like, uh, that's, that's not good, man. Like we, we really got to talk about this. But if they're talking about how busy they are and how they haven't had a day off, we don't typically say a thing. Yeah, you know, well, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. That's the way we all are, you know. You know what's interesting about this commandment? It's, it's number four on the list, but on top of that, it's the one that God spoke the most about. Like when you read the Ten Commandments, he actually elaborated most on this one of all the ten. He had to explain it a little bit to us. This is important. 
This is an important rhythm that God wants. And so, so the devout Jews, when they look at Sabbath, and even to this day, you know, when they look at uh, you know, Shabbat, their Sabbath, uh, it starts on Friday night at sunset. And it goes all the way around 24 hours to Saturday night at sunset. That's their Sabbath. That's their Shabbat. If, if you go to Israel or if you go to a, a large Jewish community, man, nothing's open. Good luck buying something. Good luck going somewhere. Like, everything's shut down. They, they still do that to this day. And so um, they've learned this art. They've, they've practiced this Sabbath, this rest. And, and it's a very important principle. And this is what I love about the beauty of what God was telling those folks. He's saying basically this. I can accomplish through you in six days what you think you need seven to do. And so think about this. For the Hebrew people to be a distinct people from ancient history, God gave them this commandment to rest for a day. I mean, back then you're thinking, wait, how can I neglect my herds for a day? How can I stop working for a day? Like, you know, got to provide for my family. Got to do this, got to do that. All the other cultures around us, they're not taking breaks. They're going to just keep surging forward, and they're going to set the bar, and they're going to be industrial. And, And God's going, who do you trust? Do you trust yourself and what you can accomplish in seven days, or do you trust me? And do you trust I can accomplish more in six days with you than what you think you need seven for? And if you study Israel, man, unless they were under the discipline of God, they were well provided for. They had abundance. Why? Because they trusted God. And he was able to do in them and through them with six days what so many of us think we need seven to do. And so it's it's phenomenal when you study this, this concept of Sabbath. Now, uh, when we understand Sabbath for us, we're going, okay, 99% of us here are probably not Jewish. We don't live in the Old Testament. So what does that mean for our life? Like, how are we supposed to apply Sabbath to our life? Because even though it's one of the Ten Commandments, check this out, it's the only commandment not repeated in the New Testament. All the other commandments are repeated in the New Testament, but check this out. It is affirmed in the New Testament. It's affirmed in the teaching. It's affirmed by the ministry and life of Jesus. So it's still a principle. It's still a value that we see is supposed to be in our life. So to practice Sabbath is a, is a benefit for us. It's a necessary part of our rhythm. Now I want to I want to clarify some of the Sabbath thinking that's out there. Um, when we think about Sabbath, there are definitely those who say, "Well, the Sabbath is the day we worship." Worship is a is an incredible thing to do on the Sabbath. That's an excellent use of this day. But if you read the scripture here, it doesn't say, you know, you shall labor for six days, and then on this day you shall worship. It says on this day you shall what? Rest. The, the principle of Sabbath is focused on rest. It's not, a, it's not a mandate to worship on a particular day. It just so happens that we started to worship on that day. So you still see devout Jews and some other you know, churches, they, they said, well, Saturday's the Sabbath because Sunday's the first day of the you know, week. So Saturday's the last, so we're going we're gonna to rest on Sabbath and we're going to worship on Sabbath because that's the Sabbath. But then, you know, Jesus rose from the grave on a Sunday, so followers of Christ worship on a Sunday. And all of a sudden you have this battle that takes place. Well, you're worshiping on the wrong day and this is the Sabbath. Yeah, but, you know, da, 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 da. It's like, look, that's not, that's not the principle. Every day is a day of worship, Right? Every day is a day of worship. You look, at the old, you look at the New Testament church, they worship day to day together. So it's not like six days for you, oh, by the way, you get to worship this one day. Every day is a day of worship. So I don't think the principle that God wants to drive into us is like, this is the day you have to worship me. It's a great use of the Sabbath, absolutely. But more importantly, God said, this, there needs to be a day of rest in your life. And, and, and so uh, if you look at the Sabbath, it becomes very legalistic. It becomes very legalistic. You know, this will be a forced day. Like, you know, you, you have to be quiet and you have to do this and you have to go to church and you have to do this and you have to do that. And Jesus took issue with that type of abrasive legalistic mindset. 
In fact, he said, he said something very beautiful in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 to 28. He said this. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So you understand, one of the things that Jesus was constantly criticized of by the devout Jews of his time was what he did on the Sabbath. There were sick people that he healed on the Sabbath. There were times when he would pick grain off of, you know, wheat to eat, you know, on the Sabbath. And all the Jews had these extreme laws. They took, they took this good thing that God gave and they infused it with more legalism and made it over here where there's laws and laws and laws of what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. You can't tie a knot. You can't walk so many, you know, you can't walk a certain distance, all those kinds of things. Even if you go today to Israel and go to Shabbat, you'll see how this is lived out. For example, you go to a hotel. There'll be two elevators. There'll be the Sabbath elevator that stops at every floor on the Sabbath. That way you can't exert energy to push a button. To, to, you're, you're breaking the Sabbath because you're pushing a button on an elevator. And then there's the non-Sabbath elevator, which is, you know, push a button and go to your floor. And you'll see a long line of Orthodox Jews behind the Sabbath elevator. They'll just go and they'll just wait for it to get to their floor. And then you'll see no line in front of the other elevator. And then you'll get people like me or others who are Gentiles who are like, well, I'm not Jewish. I don't need to. They'll walk right up to the elevator and go right in. And next thing you know, a bunch of Jewish people walk in with you. <laughs> Could you press floor five for me, please? <laughs> I'm going to seven. Can you, can you press seven for me, please? That's not the spirit of Sabbath. Sabbath wasn't given to be the sledgehammer to beat obedience into us. And in this legalism, Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Sabbath was given to man as a benefit. Sabbath wasn't designed to control man. So the Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so you see that mindset. And I don't think that's really in a lot of the pockets of what we operate in. But if we're not careful, we can lean that way with legalism. So we kind of exist between, there's legalism way over here, and then you have absolute neglect over here. And our culture goes where? Over here toward neglect. Because obviously it's important. And then Jesus says something right after that in verse 28 of Mark 2. He says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What? Jesus is saying, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of rest. He was saying, as God, I have the authority to override the rule that you know, because you don't fully understand it. And so that means that Jesus is the Lord of rest. Jesus is saying, I want to free you. I don't want you to be concerned about the law. I want you to transfer your trust in law to trust in the Lord. He says, I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of rest. Basically, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to tell you do this to rest. He's saying, I am your rest. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Some of you are very familiar with this verse. It's very comforting. As he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find, what's the word? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't you just get the sense that sometimes Jesus looks down on us Run around like crazy. Like, ever just, I used to do this as a kid. I would just sit and watch ants. And they're just busy little suckers, you know? They're sitting over like a little ant hive and just watching them go everywhere and taking this and taking that. And they just don't stop. Like, I think it would be torture just to hold an ant still. He'd be like, no, you know? 
Like, just, they don't stop. And sometimes I think the Lord looks down on us and sees the same thing. Like, what are you doing? Just go, 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 go. Oh, look, some time off. Nope. You know, and, and just, and Jesus is going, I don't want to see you frazzled. I don't want to see you stressed out. I don't want to see you burned out. I don't want to see you break. Come to me. Come to me. Come find rest. Would you just chill out a little bit? Just take it down a couple notches. Would you learn to like not depend and trust in yourself, but start to depend and trust in me? And if you want to drill down, this gets really, really deep and really, really beautiful fast. Because Jesus is the Lord of rest. All of us are familiar. Some of you have come out of backgrounds this way, that, that in order to get to God, you've got to work for it. You have to work to get to God. You better go to church. You better follow these rules. You better follow these rituals. You better do this, and you better not do that. And if, and if you break any of that, then you're not worthy of God, and we're here as the big bad church to remind you of that. And, and, and you start to understand Jesus as Lord of rest means not just physical and emotional and mental rest, but a spiritual rest, which means when Jesus came and he walked this earth and he did all the miracles to prove that he was God in a bod, okay, when he died on the cross for all of our sins, when he rose from the grave to prove that he was God, and provide a way to relationship with God and to heaven, he's basically saying, you trust in me, which means this, I did all the work. You don't have to live your life trying to follow all these rules to be approved and accepted by God. I am here to free you from that labor of trying to white-knuckle good works to get into heaven, hoping that at the end of your life, God's going to put all your good and bad on a scale and see where it ends. He's going, he just kicks that off the table and says, it's not about that. I went to the cross. I did all the heavy lifting. I did all the labor. Now, all you need to do is go, I'm broken. I'm sinful. I need God. Jesus did all the hard work. Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. I trust in who you are as God, and I trust in what you did by dying on the cross and raising from the grave. And once we cross that threshold of faith, and once we wrap all of our, our belief in who Jesus is and what he did, we can cease, we can Sabbath from our spiritual laboring of trying to please God with our good works and rest in Christ. And so many of you have discovered that, that we can walk in confidence and we can walk in joy going, God loves me. And God came for me, and he died for me, and he rose for me. And now, all I do is believe in Christ, and I can rest in the Lord of the Sabbath. I can rest in Christ, which means now, I do want to work. I do want to do good works, but not because I have to, but because I want to. Out of gratitude. Like, Jesus didn't come and die and raise again so we can just kick back on our easy chairs and not do anything. He puts us to work for his kingdom but that's so different than trying to work to try to get into the kingdom. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the rest spiritually too, not just physically. You know, there's a man named Dan Allender who we've had him here. He's a Christian professor, counselor, and author. He says about Sabbath, he goes, what if the Sabbath is creating space to hear the Father speak to us as his beloved as he serves us as the host. The day is ours, given to us by the Trinity for our entry into the wild wonder of Jesus' love for us. You see the difference of approach in Sabbath when it comes out of freedom in Christ? You see the difference of understanding in Sabbath when it's done out of joy 
and beauty and appreciation and gratitude and natural rhythm rather than this command, this law that you have to do. Allender says a little bit later in that same book on Sabbath, he says, what would you do for 24 hours if the only criteria were to pursue your deepest joy? When God sat back and looked over creation, he says, it's so good, it's so very good. That's our Sabbath. When we just sit back on our day and go, God, thank you, I love you. Look, you're so good, and what you've made is so good. I'm going to enjoy your creation. Thank you. Some of us are so busy, we can't even enjoy the creation. And we got people with canoes hanging in the garage and bikes hanging in the garage, and you've got tennis shoes that you want to, hiking shoes you want to use and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you've got a boat somewhere. Maybe you've got some sort of hobby. And we have all this stuff, and it just sits there and sits there and sits there because we intend to use it. We intend to get out and enjoy God's creation, but in the meantime, we're too busy to do so. We're too busy. And how sad is that? that? We don't, like, take a day to say, God, I trust you. You're going to provide. And I'm just going to honor you with this day. I'm going to rest. I'm going to Sabbath. I'm going to do something life-giving. I've been giving my life all week. Now I'm just going to sit, I'm going to just trust you, and I'm just going to do something that's life-giving in you. That's, that's the spirit of Sabbath. Tim Keller, another pastor and author, says this about those who can't Sabbath. He says, anyone who cannot obey God's command to observe the Sabbath is a slave. Even a self-imposed one, your own heart, our materialistic culture, or an exploitive organization, or all the above, will be abusing you if you don't have the ability to be disciplined in your practice of Sabbath. Sabbath is therefore a declaration of our freedom. That means you're not a slave, not to your culture's expectation, not to your family's hopes, not to your medical school's demands, not even to your own insecurities. It's important that you learn to speak this truth to yourself with a note of triumph. Otherwise, you will feel guilty for taking time off, or you will be unable to truly un. Man, that's rich. God created everything in six days, and then he took a seventh day and made it unique, a day of rest to enjoy. Practicing Sabbath refreshes us. It shows that we trust God more than we trust ourselves and our labor. It shows that we're dependent on him and we're not self-reliant. It shows that we're embracing Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath and Lord of rest, and it keeps us from breaking. I mean, guys, God gave us a break in our week so we wouldn't become weak and break. That's the heart of the Sabbath. I love my Sabbath. I had to learn how to enjoy it because I, I didn't always do that. But for years now, I, just, I think it's a thing of victory in my life. And Mondays tend to be my Sabbath. Again, it's more important about what you do than the day you do it. I really believe it's a principle. And so for me, weekends, you know, that's not necessarily always a time of rest, but Mondays, and it doesn't matter what the weekend brings, how busy it gets, I know Monday's my day of rest. And for me, the unplanned day that just unfolds as it will is my Sabbath. Sometimes I'll plan some fun activities, and I'll I'll, I'll plan some fun things. Like I love just, I kind of have this mental um, checklist of things, fun things to do in Cleveland, you know, because even though it's been four years, there's still a ton to do around here. Like yesterday, I checked a box. I'd never been inside the IX Center, you know? And so we, we were given these tickets to go see the Home and Garden Show. So we went and hung out for a few hours, did the IX thing. It was life-giving. 
didn't have our kids with us. They were being cared for. I was able to hold my wife's hand on Valentine's Day and walk through, look at stuff that we can't afford and we would never buy. <laughs> Sample all the little goodies, you know. I love the little Amish booth, man. I definitely Sabbath at the Amish booth for a good five minutes. Honey, salsa, you know, jam. It was good. It was life-giving. It refreshes me. And so, man, that Monday's going to be the day that I just, I'll wake up, maybe go work out, come home, sit in front of the fire this time of year. Other times, maybe take a motorcycle ride, spend some extra time in the Word of God, spend some time journaling, spend some time reading, play a game with the kids, just relax, maybe watch a movie, maybe not. Maybe stay in the PJs all day, maybe not. I don't know. It's just a life-giving day of rest. I hope you all have that somehow. I hope you all value that somehow. Some of you are thinking, well, time out here. Uh, I'm a student, man, and I'm working. Like, the thought of rest and a break, are you kidding me? I'm working like a dog. I'm studying like a dog. You know, this is when you got to go, do you trust yourself more than you trust God? Because you're definitely in a, in a demanding time of life. My encouragement, you know, just, and maybe your Sabbath moves every week. <laughs> but look at your week or two coming up and take a day, a block, maybe it's a block of a couple days, and, and block them out and say, no studying, no working, I'm, I'm blocked off here. I'm going to take a nap or I'm going to go sit in a hammock by the lake. Not now. I don't recommend you do that now. <laughs> sit by the fireplace, read a book, do something that's life-giving, refreshing as you Sabbath. Some of you are like, uh, I'm a single parent. I don't, I don't get a break. How is this supposed to happen? And you know what? There's times when maybe Grandma and Grandpa or Uncle Jimmy need to enjoy some time with your kids. Maybe that $40 is worth your sanity to get child care. <laughs> Um, honestly, this is when a church can say, we see that you're a single parent and we want to help. And, and, and just try to provide rest for you. Some of you are thinking, I wish I had a job. Man, I'm underemployed. I'm unemployed. I'm, I'm not even working right now. What do you do, man? I encourage you, hey, as you're looking for jobs, as you're out there, don't be idle. Serve, man, serve in the church, serve outside the church. You know, be, be, don't be idle, be pro- productive and still enjoy a day of rest. And it can look different for all of us in different ways, but, but the principle is there. The commandment was given, and it was for our benefit, not to enslave us, but to, to bring life into us. So if we don't practice rhythmic fitness, it's going to do damage. It might take a while, but it will do damage. And usually the longer you wait to practice it, the bigger the damage is when it does kick in. So really, that, that whole idea, if you don't take a break, you're going to break. And thank God he gave us Sabbath, amen? Thank God he gives rest. I don't know what that's going to look like for you, but I highly encourage you practice that as you try to be fit in all areas of your life. Let's, pr- let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thanks for a chance to be reminded of your love and your grace and your mercy and your joy. Thank you that we're reminded that you have a plan. And God, you weren't just making stuff up off the top of your head when you started making the commandments and all these kinds of things. God, you knew exactly what your creation would need. You knew exactly how we would drift towards self-reliance and trying to become our own gods. And you put this principle of rest, you put this principle of Sabbath into our lives, God, to benefit us and to glorify you. So, God, we ask for forgiveness for trying to trust in ourselves instead of trusting in you. We ask for forgiveness for trying to crank out seven days when we're not trusting you for what you can do in six. 
God, we confess that we, we haven't trusted in you when we look around our circumstances and, and we see it through human eyes and we try to come up with human answers instead of trusting you and your divine provision. So Lord, we ask you to help us to obey. Help us to apply this concept of Sabbath and rest into our life, Lord God. A day given to you, distinct, unique, holy, sacred, set apart. God, thank you for Jesus who is our spiritual Sabbath too. We don't have to work our way to you, Lord. We just have to trust you and embrace you as Lord of the Sabbath. So God, we thank you for all these things. We ask in Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Hey, just a, just a thought here. I'm going to give you guys a minute just to, you have, a, you have a, a program in front of you. If you're online, you don't have a program, but you can just take some of the things we're saying to heart. On that program, there's just some questions that are out there. Like, what day is your Sabbath? What do you need to stop doing in your life right now so that you can Sabbath? What do you need to start doing in your life so you can Sabbath? And there's probably people here that, you know what, you've never embraced Jesus as your, the Lord of the Sabbath. You've been trying to work your way to God and hoping that you can be good enough. And today it's become very clear to you, it's not about what I do. It's about what Jesus did. And you know what you have to do. You just have to place your faith in Christ. Just take the leap of faith. Just trust Jesus today. I want to give you a moment with that program. Why don't you just write down whatever God's you know, put on your heart. If you need to make a decision for Christ today or you're making a decision to follow Jesus today, you can share it on that. Or there's a card in front of you. Basically says, I'm going to follow Jesus. Fill that out. Put them in the baskets here in a little bit after we're done. And share with us what God did in your heart and your life. Come back tonight. Bring a friend. Come back next week as we talk about never the same and how the life of Jesus truly does give us new life. So just take a minute interact with those cards, and then Pastor Nate will pull us out here in a second.